Okay. Welcome back and thanks for joining us on our podcast and YouTube channel here on spiritualcrusade.com. My name is Craig Conover and you know we're excited to have you here today and be sure to visit us on spiritualcrusade.com. Enjoy the content that we deliver literally on a daily basis. I mean we have talks, quotes, memes, we also have some amazing come follow me lesson helps to assist you in teaching your family. So be sure to come back and come back often. I'm going to be talking about the, this is a lesson I gave a couple months ago called Choose You This Day. And as you are listening and watching, if you were able to really pull any good nuggets of truth, of wisdom, um, and if you, most importantly, if you felt that you were able to get closer to your Savior here today, then please like us, subscribe, follow us, and also share us with your family and friends. So enjoy this YouTube and or and a podcast um, lesson here today. All right. So choose you this day. This is by Dale G. Renland. And um, super excited. So let's kind of jump in here. He starts off talking about Mary Poppins. And I'm going to kind of read, uh, read this here. He says, the, the fictional character Mary Poppins, the typical English nanny who happens to be magical. She blows in on the east wind to help the troubled Banks family of number 17 Cherry, Cherry Tree Lane in Edwardian, London. She's given charge of the children, uh, Jane and Michael. In a firm but kind manner, she begins to teach them valuable lessons with an enchanting touch. Jane and Michael make considerable progress, but Mary decides that it is time for her to move on. In the stage production, Mary's chimney sweep friend, Bert, tries to dissuade her from leaving. He argues, but they're good kids, Mary. And she replies, would I be bothering with them if they weren't? Then here in red, but I can't help them if they won't let me. And there's no one so hard to teach as the child who knows everything. Isn't that so true? <laughs> uh, Bert, Bert says so, and Mary says, so they've got to do the next bit on their own. And so this kind of is a little backdrop um, that uh, we're going to talk about here a little bit. But think about what what's the net bit, net, next bit on their own, right? First of all, and how does that apply to us talking about how, you know, they'd help us, help them if they would let them. And there's no one harder to teach than a child who knows everything. I can think of a couple scenarios there, <laughs> but... Uh, let's let's look at what he says. Then uh, Renlin continues, brothers and sisters, like Jane and Michael Banks, we are good kids who are worth bothering about. Our Heavenly Father wants to help and bless us, but we do not always let him. All right, we think we know better, don't we, sometimes? <laughs> um, sometimes we even act as if we already know everything. And we, too, need to do the next bit on our own. That is why we came to earth from a pre-mortal heavenly home. Our bit 
involves making choices. So there you go. That's our next bit is making choices, being very careful of choices that we make to be able to bring us back to the Father. All right. So uh, it, it, those that are on the podcast need to go check out this, this picture. It's one of my favorites. I just love it. It has a dog chewing a shoe. And here's the quote. It says, God is not interested in his children just becoming trained and obedient pets who will not chew on his slippers in the celestial living room. Imagine that's kind of, kind of a funny little story there or a analogy. No, God wants his children to grow up spiritually and join him in the family business. Family business. I love how that how he kind of phrased that because really what is what's the Lord says is my work and my glory is to bring about the immortality and eternal life of man, right? That is his business. And so the family business is us developing, advancing, if you will, so that we can one day become like the Father, right? And have have children of our own and be able to be like him. So I love that, uh, the family business uh, bit there. All right, so this is this next quote is one that um, is a post I made oh, over a year ago, probably about a year and a half ago, talking about, about exaltation. And I want you to really ponder this quote. It is, it is uh, so powerful. This is by um, Chauncey C. Riddle. And it says, righteousness is that necessary order of social relationships in which beings of knowledge and power must bind themselves in order to live together in accomplishment and happiness for eternity. They bind, or sealed, another word for, for bind, themselves to each other with solemn covenants Here's the key to become predictable, dependable, and united so that they can be trusted. I want you to think about that for a second, right? I'll read, I'll, I'll read that last bit again here. To become predictable, dependable, and united so that they can be trusted. In the post that I wrote, <clears throat> I brought up two different scenarios. One, is a business scenario. So you own a company and you're gonna partner with someone. Would you partner with somebody who was not predictable, had no idea what decisions they were going to make, was not dependable, could never be depended upon or relied on, right? And not united, right? You, you The decisions, you can never agree on the decisions to make, right? You're not united in, in, in the outcome. Therefore, they cannot be trusted. Would you go into a partnership business with someone of that character and nature? Of course not, right? It, it's absurd. And, and so that's the first scenario. Second scenario is you're going to get married, okay? Would you get married to a spouse who is not predictable, not dependable, not united, and therefore not trustworthy. And again, of course not. It's, it's absurd, right? We go into business. We 
look for a, an eternal companion that is predictable, dependable, united, and trusted. That is what exaltation will be made of. It's individuals like that. Think about that. The Savior says that he never did anything he didn't see the Father do, right? Anything that the, that the Savior did is a reflection and a mirror, if you will, of the Father doing those acts, right? That is the power of exaltation is that we become, we advance ourselves through the power of the atonement, the enabling power of the atonement, and through grace and mercy, we advance to become that type of a person where we are perfectly predictable, 100% dependable, perfectly united, and can be trusted in all things at all times and in all places that we may be in. Pretty, pretty exciting, huh? So I love that quote. So this next quote is Russell M. Nilsson. And the, there's a boy who is looking in the heavens. So it's, I love this, love this quote. I picked this picture specifically with, the, with kind of the words in mind. The quote is, Once we know who we are, and the royal lineage of which we are a part, our actions and directions in life will be more appropriate to our inheritance. Pretty neat. Once we know who we are, our actions and directions in life will be more appropriate to our inheritance. Okay? A lot of lot of power. So I'd like to now listen to a recording talking about this is Lance Richardson, who happens to be, I believe, my second cousin, if I if I remember that correctly. And he wrote this book, um, talking a, a couple books that I really love. If you haven't read the book, The Message, um, again by Lance Richardson, a powerful. Uh, book of him. He spent a couple weeks in the spirit world. He was in a coma and he spent a couple weeks in the spirit world and brought back a message. So you can get that at Deseret Book. I think it's like 10 bucks or something like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a pretty quick read, but it's just it's really amazing. But this book that I'm going to, we're going to listen to a portion of, is a book that he wrote talking about Zion-like um, uh, groups of people, right? And so he's talking about the Hopi Indians who happen to live right here in Arizona. So let's listen to this little clip. Before long, we ended up down on the Indian Reservation in Hopi Land in Arizona. And that was a great experience. Uh, we really fell in love with the people there. Wonderful, wonderful people. They were scared uh, of us to begin with, uh, and rightfully so. They're, they uh, tell us that they've had a lot of people who've come in and destroyed a lot of their sacred artifacts, taken uh, artifacts, uh, and destroyed that which is sacred to them. And so to begin with, they wondered whether we were there 
you know, for good or bad purposes. And, and uh, they told us, well, we'll give you about 10 minutes, 7 to 10 minutes. About two hours later, we were saying, well, we really ought to go. And they're going, oh, no, no, no. What, what else do you want to ask? And so once they found out that we really were, were there to tell their true story, they were very open with us, and it was a wonderful experience. We met with uh, several different sets of Hopi elders as well as uh, just some of the Hopi people themselves and asked a lot of questions. And through that, let me tell you that their story. Now, also, I've had a chance to uh, interview a number of other individuals who have written books about the Hopis, etc. And so I had a chance to ask the Hopi elders while we were there, all right, now is this correct? Is this correct? Because we really wanted to have the accurate story. Long ago, the Hopi people, they tell the story that their people were not native to this land. They actually came across the oceans in ships and came to this land. And that they uh, then settled on this continent and they were a very fearsome people. The time came when they, as they said, we were converted under the great white spirit. And this occurred before what they called the great star appeared in the sky. Well, they were so converted that they took their weapons of war and they dug a hole and buried them in, in the earth and took an oath that they would never take them up again. When this took place, their enemies came upon them and began to slay them. They said so they fell down on the ground, uh, laid prostrate, and began to pray to the Creator that He would save them. And many of those who were killing them dropped their weapons and joined them and took the oath also. Well, they tell uh, after that time they went on a migration northward out uh, through a wilderness to a new place where they made their new home and they became tillers of the earth and crop growers. And they raised food for the armies that surrounded them who protected them because they had taken this oath to not take up weapons of war. To this day, they have tried to continue that promise. Uh, when their sons reach the age of 12, they give them a bow and arrow, and the arrows are blunt to remind them of that promise. They are not to take up weapons of war again. And so this is a very important promise. By the way, I did find a couple other tribes that also had this same uh, story. The Pueblos, who I had known from. All right, we'll pause there. We'll stop there. But isn't that interesting, right? So here, right here in Arizona, the Hopi Indians, they are descendants of the 2,000 stripling warriors. You know, and I, I, you know, my whole life, I knew that the Indians were descendants of the Lamanites. But I never, you know, for me, the 2,000 stripling warriors is kind of like the cream of the crop, right? <laughs> and, and it's so, it's so amazing. They are descendants of the 2,000 stripling warriors. Now, why I, I played that here is I want you to think about that. If they knew who they were, they would make different choices, right? If they really understood the, the, the amazing lineage that they have, right? They would make different choices. They would be stronger and they would mirror the acts and the, and the, the deeds of their, their forefathers, right? So that, that comes to us. And I'd like to read to you a quote by Harold B. Lee. And so, so neat. So really pay attention. And I'll, I'll point out where I, I highlighted in red here. So starting off in red, who are you? You are all the sons and daughters of God. Your spirits were created and lived as organized intelligences before the world was. You have been blessed to have a physical body 
because of your obedience to certain commandments in that pre-mortal state. Again in red. You are now born into a family to which you have come, into the nations through which you have come, the key here, as a reward for the kind of lives you lived before you came here. It's exciting. And at a time in the world's history, as the Apostle Paul taught the men of Athens, and as the Lord revealed to Moses, determined, again in red here, determined by the faithfulness of each of those who lived before this world was created. Okay? Think about that, right? Due to our, the, all the, our righteous lives that we live before we came here is why we are where we are today for a purpose. Now, this, this next quote is going to really, really um, hit hard here. This is by Wilfred Woodruff. We are called of God. We have been gathered from the distant nations, and our lives have been hid with Christ in God, but we have not known it. Very key in red here. The Lord has been watching over us from the hour of our birth. Watching over us from the hour of our birth. We are the seed of Ephraim and of Abraham and of Joseph who was sold into Egypt. And then here is the key. And these are the instruments that God has kept in the spirit world to come forth in these latter days to take hold of this kingdom and build it up. Oh my goodness. Okay. We are the instruments in God's hands that he has kept in the spirit world to come forth in these latter days to take hold of the kingdom and to build it up. Take a moment and think about that. The way I like to think of this is we are God's 2,000 stripling warriors in these last days. With that in mind, how knowing who you are, what decisions, what choices will you make now? Knowing that you are the instruments of God to literally take hold of the kingdom and build it up in these last days, how will you act differently? How will you pray differently? How will you pour over and feast upon the scriptures differently? How will you seek after your God differently? This next section here, this is a video of Elder Betnar and let me just 
tell you about this. There's two videos here, and, and there's you'll know, there'll be links. So go go to the um, the actual post to get those links if you want. And I challenge you to listen to both. We're gonna listen to the shortened one. This was a was a, a time where it was a, a Spanish speaking audience. And the, the full one's very long. This is the shortened one. But what they've done is they've cut out all the interpretations, right? So when, when someone asks a question, the interpreter says, the, says the, the question, then Bednar gives his response, and then the interpreter can <laughs> interpret the response. So you miss all those dead spaces. But I recommend going home after you've had a chance to, to um, listen to this podcast or watch this YouTube video, and I want to love to challenge you to listen to the full version because as during those pauses of those interpretations, it really sinks in what he says. Because what you'll notice here is this is kind of choppy and a little bit short. You lose a lot of the impact of pondering on what he says during the interpretation um, that is that is done. So that's my my recommendation is go and watch the full version. But in this short version, just keep in mind it's a little bit choppy because they've cut out some of that stuff. Okay? The principle of moral agency is the least understood of all gospel principles. It is taught incorrectly often and it leads people to behave in ways that are not appropriate as i listen to members of the church all over the world this is how they define agency it's the ability to choose and i can do what i want that's false why do we have agency go find in the pearl of great price in the book of moses god's explanation for why we have agency like it is to choose him not to choose what we want, but to choose God and to love and serve each other. Now, buckle up. Are you buckled up? Okay, here we go. When you and I enter the baptismal covenant, there are three conditions of the covenant. A willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ. A commitment to always remember him. And a commitment to keep the commandments. We learn about those elements of the covenant. And we exercise our agency to accept those conditions of the covenant. We then are promised that if we honor the covenant, we may always have God's spirit to be with us. Okay. As we pledge our willingness to take upon ourselves the name of Christ, that begins in the waters of baptism. It begins. We do not wholly and totally take upon ourselves the name of Christ in the waters of baptism. We begin. Where do we more fully take upon ourselves the name of Christ? In templo. There's a pathway from the baptismal font to the templo. Al templo. And there is increasing blessings by the power of the Holy Ghost that come into our life. As we begin to have the name of Christ come upon us through ordinances and covenants, we have a new family name, Christian. And with that name, we are to represent him at all times and in all places and in all things. Now, this is why you need to be buckled up. When we enter into that covenant and begin to have the name of Christ come upon us, our agency is enlarged. It's no longer individual agency. It is enlarged to become representative agency. And representing Christ and his name, 
at all times, in all places, and, and in all things, becomes more important than what we want. The reason we need to always remember him is so we can effectively represent him. The reason we need the companionship of the Holy Ghost, yes, that blesses us. But we need that companionship of the third member of the Godhead so we can represent him. We have already pledged that we will keep the commandments. Have you heard someone say, a member of the church who has entered into the baptismal covenant, I have my agency, I can do what I want. You ever heard that? Yeah, you know what the answer is? No, you can't. You don't understand agency. You don't have agency to do whatever you want. We have the hymn, Choose the Right, don't we? In Espanol? Tenemos el himno, Haz tu lo justo. The hymn is called Choose the Right, not Choose What You Want. So, from tonight on, don't ever use a misunderstood concept of agency to justify sin. You can't just choose what you want. And when you begin to understand that principio, then you're on the road to becoming spiritually self-reliant, dependent upon God, and devoted to representing Him all the time, Now, I want to say this in terms that I hope won't be scary, but they're true. If, after having entered into the covenant, we don't abide by the conditions of the covenant. So, for example, if you and I don't pay our tithing, do we have the option not to pay our tithing? No. No. It's breaking a covenant. It is not the exercise of agency anymore. Because what happened to our individual agency? It was enlarged. Now, it's more important to represent him. Is this making sense? If some night you don't want to go to sleep, read the scriptures and learn about what happens to covenant breakers. I guarantee you, you will not go to sleep. Now, I don't want to scare you, but I want you to understand this is serious. Agency is the center point of our mortal experience. With that, agent, with that agency, we are agents to act. That's self-reliance. We are not objects to be acted upon. That is the absence of self-reliance. Now, go find more in the scripture. That's just the beginning. All right. Let's go past here. <laughs> so, as you saw, it, it was choppy, right? Um, the original version is, is, is right here. But it is it is powerful, right? Our agency, right? We have now an enlarged agency. We are to represent Christ. So hopefully that was very crystal, crystal clear. So this prepares us for this uh, next couple of quotes here. This is Ezra Taft Benson. And it says, Saints of Zion, do you realize... We are living in the days of the fulfillment of these signs and wonders. You are among those who will see many of these prophecies fulfilled, just as certain as the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem and the scattering of the Jews. So shall these words of the Savior be certain to your generation. Now keep in mind, this is written or spoken back in 1981. How much more applicable is it to us in our day in 2019, right? Um, in red here, we know not the day nor the hour of his coming, but of this you may feel assured. 
You stand close to the great day of the Lord. In his words of modern revelation, we say to you, seek the face of the Lord always. Read that again. Seek the face of the Lord always. This is not negotiable, <laughs> right? This is not something that we put off till after we die. This is not something we put off to a later date. This is we are to seek the face of the Lord right now and always. Always is a very strong word. We are to seek the face of the Lord. Because, going back to that clip that you watched, right? We are representing him. We have taken upon ourselves his name. We have a right to get to know him. If we live worthily and we desire it, we can see the Lord and understand who we are representing in a much more personal manner and nature. So really go home, really pray about that tonight. How can you seek the face of the Lord always? Again, Ezra Taft Benson, can you tell me where the people are who will be shielded and protected from these great calamities and judgments, which are even now at our doors. Or doors, sorry. I will tell you, the priesthood of God, who honor their priesthood and who are worthy of their blessings, are the only ones who shall have this safety and protection. They are the only mortal beings. We must do more. We must be more valiant. We must magnify our callings, right? Those, the priesthood and our, our prophet, uh, President Nelson has said that, that that is the only way we will survive is by the priesthood of God and by holding fast to the, uh, to the um, uh, Holy Ghost in our lives. No other people have a right to be shielded from these judgments. They are at our very doors. Not even this people will escape them entirely. I don't know about you, but that I get excited. Yes, I also, it, it, it's responsibility, right? But it's exciting responsibility, right? And an opportunity to be more Christ-like, right? And uh, I love that. It's so powerful. Okay, this next quote, again by Ezra Taft Benson, is another one I want you to really, really ponder. Every question I want you to, if you have to, pause this and think about every question. If you want to pause it and write something in your journal, do so. First question. Will you be among those who are faithful to the end. Not faithful for once for, for, for one trial or, 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 or a couple trials, but faithful to the end. 
Will you be among those who are faithful to the end? Through thick and thin, right? Will you endure? Are you prepared? I'm going to throw in there. If you don't feel prepared, write down, pray about how you can prepare and start today. Okay. Next, can you live in the world and not partake of the sins of the world? Right? We're supposed to live in and not of the world. And yet we find ourselves partaking of the sins of the world. So back to that question, can you live in the world and not partake of the sins of the world? I love this. This is in red here. Will you arise and shine forth as the Lord has commanded? Will you be a light and standard for the nations? Those are some pretty, pretty firm, strong, and bold questions that you need to ask yourself. Ponder those. Write about those. Pray about those. But um, as Jeff Benson continues, we know you can. We pray you will. We have every confidence that you, the rising generation, will not falter. And then again in red, I repeat, you are valiant spirits reserved for this exceptional time. Make the choice. Rise to the task of this monumentous hour. Love it. Make the choice. Decide today to be instruments in the Lord's hands as his stripling, 2,000 stripling warriors here in these last days. Decide today to act differently, pray differently, study differently, and rise up and shine forth. God's plan, this is uh, Del G. Renlund, God's, God's plan includes directions for us, referred to in the scriptures as commandments. These commandments are neither a whimsical set nor an arbitrary collection of imposed rules meant only to train us to be obedient. They are linked to our developing the attributes of godliness, returning to our Heavenly Father, and receiving enduring joy. Obedience to His commandments is not blind. We knowingly choose God and His pathway home. That's something the world is going to try to push at you, the blind obedience. No, no. Obedience to his commandments is not blind. We knowingly choose God and his pathway home. Continuing, the pattern for us is the same as it was for Adam and Eve, wherein God gave unto him commandments, to them commandments, after having made known unto them the plan of redemption. Though God wants us to be on the covenant path, he gives us the dignity of choosing, right? We have to choose to be one of those members of the celestial kingdom of God who are, going back to that, that quote, right? That are dependable, that are um, united, 
that are predictable and that are trusted, right? We have to choose ourself. It cannot be forced. We must choose that. Before I, I share the last quote with you and bear my testimony, I would like to just ask if you, if you received inspiration today to write it down, obey that inspiration. Act upon those thoughts that you, that you had. Also, if you felt that you were brought closer to your Savior here today, please visit us at spiritualcrusade.com. Share us with your friends, your family. We would love to continue to know how to support you and, and how to bring more content to you. This last quote is extremely powerful. And I love this picture, this picture of the tree of life. And I want you to notice here, right? You've got this, the great and spacious building off to the right. You've got this big old um, uh, gaping hole or cliff, right? And yet look at these, these individuals that are, have already been to the tree of life. Look, they even have some fruit in their hands and they're falling away from the tree. They're walking away from the tree over to, this, to the great and spacious building. And it's just, it's, it saddens my heart just seeing this scene. I want to reach out to them, want to encourage them to turn back, go back to the tree, do not falter. Here's the quote. Indeed, God desires, expects, and directs that each of his children choose for himself or herself. He will not force us. Through the gift of agency, God permits his children to act for themselves and not to be acted upon. That's what Bednar talked about, right? Act for yourself, right? We are to be act. We are to act, not to be acted upon. But that acting takes courage. It takes resilience. It takes grit. It takes the enabling power of the atonement of Jesus Christ and taking the Holy Spirit as our constant companion, as our guide. It takes all of that to, to be able to move forward. Continuing, he says, agency allows us to choose to get on the path or not. It allows us to get off or not. Just as we cannot be forced to obey, we cannot be forced to disobey. No one without your cooperation take us off the path. Just like these individuals in this picture, individually, they're walking away from the tree of life. Individually, they are turning their back on their Savior. What will you do? Knowing who you are, knowing that you, again, are instruments in the Lord's hands reserved for this day, this time, right? As the, as the modern 2,000 stripling warriors. What will you choose to do? Will you stand with the Savior or will you go away? 
The choice is yours. But I testify that if we hold fast to that iron rod, we hang on to that fruit as we get to the tree and we enjoy it, we love it. We must love the gospel. We must love our Savior Jesus Christ with all of our heart, with all of our whole energy of our being. If we have that love for our Savior, we will love others. We will desire with all of our heart to stay with the Savior, to stay with the tree of life, to be instruments in his hands in this last days, to build up the kingdom of God on earth. We will not falter. We know who we trust in and we glory in our Savior. And I bear testimony that as we do, the little decisions that we make, the prayers that we make, the scriptures that we read, the church that we attend, those that we share the gospel with, if we remember who we are, we will do it with more pride, with more love, with more passion, and we will desire to emulate the Savior in all of our actions, thus being able to return back to our Father in Heaven someday and seek His face always. And I leave these things with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.